it, it does seem like so many people have this thought that uh, the Lord must be coming back very, very soon. I, I, I talk, even lost people, uh, they see there's something different in the air. There's something different about, uh, about the day in which we live in. And uh, really, this thought of the Lord's return has opened so many doors uh, to talk uh, about the Lord. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful that uh, it's not something, if you know the Lord, not something that you have to fear or worry about uh, because you know in whose hands uh, that you rest. And if you're not saved this morning, I, I would sure be worried about uh, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you have an opportunity to, to get that nailed down and settled. I want us to go to the Gospel of Luke chapter number 10, Luke chapter number 10, and if you're able, you find your place, would you stand with us as we read this morning a portion of God's Word. I'm so grateful for your presence here this morning, and I'd like each of us to take just an opportunity here this morning to yield to the Lord, to just to say, Lord, I, I need to hear from heaven today. And I believe here this morning there's a message for you if you're not saved, there's a message for you, there's a message for you if you know that you know. Uh, that you're saved, and there's a message for you this morning, and uh, so a message for each and every one of us, not by accident that you're here this morning. I want to pick up at verse number 25, um, Luke chapter 10 and verse number 25. You'll recognize this account as the story of the Good Samaritan. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. It's a very familiar passage of Scripture, but we're going to, to pull some spiritual truths out this morning. Just make some practical applications to where we're at and to where we live today. If you'll join me, let's go to the Lord this morning in prayer. You pray this morning uh, for your own heart. You pray for those around you. You pray that God would have his way in this service this morning. Father, we thank you. It's just good to be here today. Thank you for your presence uh, here this morning. And Lord, thank you that you have given us a Bible. 
And in this Bible, we have truth. We have an inspired book. It's your book. And Lord, we trust what you've given unto us. And Lord, I pray this morning that you, by your spirit, would take your word and that you would be our teacher. And Lord, we trust you this morning that you will minister at the point of need. We also trust not by accident that any person is here. Help us, Lord, to be responsive to what you have for us today, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated here this morning. I love the way Jesus deals with people, don't you? He often used life stories, life lessons to really teach spiritual truths, biblical truths. Uh, we call them parables. Uh, Jesus was a master at illustrating and teaching by way of parable. He would take just a normal event in life, but he would take that normal event and use that normal event to teach a fantastic spiritual truth. One of the most well-known parables of the Bible is this one that we read this morning. is the Good Samaritan. And it's told, by the way, only in the Gospel of Luke. And uh, just as Mark is known for its miracles, Luke is known often for its parables. And uh, some wonderful parables here, the way they're told in the Gospel of Luke. And this morning, as we look at the parable of, of the Good Samaritan, it's really a, a masterpiece and just uh, uh, the wisdom of the Lord as he takes this message and this life lesson and he teaches uh, so, much, uh, so much truth. I, I was reading, uh, actually, a lost man made the statement that he believed the greatest story that had ever been told was the story of the Good Samaritan. Wasn't even a saved man. But he said this was a, a wonderful story, great story, one of the greatest stories ever told. Now here Jesus tells the parable and he's answering a question. The lawyer has come to him. By the way, this is not a, a lawyer as we would think in the sense of a lawyer, but this was a student of the Word of God and he would be a student of the Old Testament. And he comes to the Lord Jesus, he asks this question, who is my neighbor? And Jesus through this question and through this parable turned the question around. He's a master at this. Uh, really, as he teaches this, the real question is not, who is my neighbor? But the real question is, am I a neighbor? And that's how the Lord took this thought and this lesson. Uh, the story goes like this, and you've heard it your life. Uh, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's a short distance, 17 miles uh, it's downhill. Uh, Jericho is 1,200 feet below sea level. And from Jerusalem, the short 17 miles, you're going to drop about 3,700 feet in, in elevation. Uh, Jericho is the accursed city. Uh, Jerusalem is the holy city. And so here's a man going down in elevation, but the picture is he's on the road of life and as sin takes us down, so this man is going down, down, down. It's a path that has infested itself with thieves, with robbers. It's a dangerous journey. Thieves, robbers would hide in the rocks and the crags and behind the bushes. <coughs> this traveling man, a Jew, traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves. The thieves stripped him. Wounded him, leaving him half dead. Uh, a priest passes by. 
looks on him, passed by on the other side. A Levite comes, did likewise. Uh, the religious leaders, the one that, that this Jewish man thought he could trust in, they, they kept a safe distance. They looked on him, but they turned away. Uh, sometimes in those areas, the thieves would set a trap. Uh, they would pretend to be wounded. Somebody would come along to help. They would in turn rob the one that helped. We go to verse number 33, and this is really kind of the, the heart. If you look at verse 33, a certain Samaritan. A certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Uh, compassion is what made the difference. It was the difference between the priest and the Levite. Compassion. Verse 34, and he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. I've often looked at the inn here in the Word of God, and I've related that to the local church. And I believe the local church is a place where sinners get healed, a, play, a place where the wounded can come and be cared for. And so I've looked at the inn as the local church. It's the place where uh, the Lord brings those that have come to relationship with Him, and He brings them for their care and for their concern. Now here, the Samaritan, the, the lesson is, am I a neighbor? And here the Samaritan was the neighbor. Interesting teaching as you think about all of the, the background of this. The Jews and Samaritans were enemies. They avoided each other. They hated each other. They wouldn't even so much as eat in the same room or sit at the same table. The Samaritan, the one that became the neighbor, helped the Jew. He's the one helping the one that hates him. He risked everything to help this Jew in need. I want to take that, that account this morning, this parable, and I want to look at three spiritual truths this morning and just bring them down to where we are. The first spiritual truth is so important. It's the inability of the law to save. Let's go back to the background of the story. Go back to verse 25. Verse 25. Behold, a, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, this was a student of the Old Testament law. He's knowledgeable in the Old Testament. He's knowledgeable in the law of God. Uh, the Bible says as he came to Jesus, it, it probably wasn't with sincerity because he, he tempted him, uh, not really seeking the answer, but tempting the Lord. He's trying to trap Jesus. He's trying to put Jesus into this trap. And his, his question, it's an important one. He says, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Nothing more important this morning for each of us than eternal life. We are eternal beings. What does a man profit if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? We're going to live eternally, either in heaven or in hell. That depends on what one has done with the Lord Jesus Christ. But every one of us, this morning should consider 
this question asked by the lawyer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as often in his teaching, Jesus did not directly answer the question. He asked another question. Look in verse number 26. He said to him, what is written in the law, how readest it? This is a lawyer. He's one that knew the law. What do you read? What do you believe? What does the Bible say? And in verse number 27, he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And then Jesus responds to this answer of the lawyer. He said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. Jesus responds, that's exactly what the law expresses. Now, can I state this morning, this is a plan of salvation. Only problem is, nobody outside of the Lord Jesus Christ has ever done this. Nobody has ever loved the Lord, his God, with all of his heart, all of his soul, all of his mind. And nobody has ever loved his neighbor as himself, as he ought to, other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the Lord is, is using the law as a schoolmaster to teach the principle of salvation. Uh, we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who were under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. In Romans 3, verse number 20, Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. And as Galatians 3 verse 24 states, Wherefore by the law, or wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. And so here Jesus is masterfully using the law to bring the lawyer to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and to show the frailty or the shortcoming of each and every one of us. Now, after Jesus responds, and he says to this lawyer, in verse number 28, this do, and thou shalt live, this lawyer asks the Lord Jesus Christ another question. And it opens the door for the parable. Verse 29, but he willing, and notice this, to justify himself, said unto Jesus, who is my neighbor? Now that's our flesh. Our flesh wants to justify itself or to justify ourselves. We, we want uh, to lower the standard. We know that standard that the Lord has set is a perfect, holy standard for He's perfect, He's holy, He's righteous, He is perfect love in every sense. And that's the high standard that no man has attained to. And like this lawyer, our flesh, we want to justify ourselves. We want to lower the standard. We want to compare ourselves among ourselves because in our mind we can always find somebody that's a little lower than us instead of comparing ourselves with the perfect, righteous, holy standard of the Lord. So he asked the question, who is my neighbor? And so Jesus tells the story and he puts the standard so high above human ability. The neighbor, in this case, was the one that showed mercy. And in showing mercy, he did so to his enemy. He did so to one that hated him. He did so to one that despised him. Uh, as we know, the Jews and the Samaritans, they despised each other. They avoided each other. But in 
showing mercy, the Samaritan went out of his way. He sacrificed of his own substance. He looked for nothing in return. He gave this perfect love to the one in need. Now, to further illustrate here this morning the inability of the law to save, Jesus in the parable told of the priest, the religious leader, the Levite, the religious preacher, religious leaders. Both came upon the scene. Both avoided the man. Both passed by on the other side. That's what religion does. Religion can't and won't heal a sinner. Religion has no ability to give peace in the heart. Religion can't save a lost spiritually dead man. Religion leaves us in a dead condition. I hate religion. Because religion is man's effort to earn his way to God, and it is an impossibility. And so we have here in this parable this teaching that Jesus gives. It's the inability of the law to save us. Yes, the law is a plan of salvation, but none of us have kept the law. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. That's the first spiritual lesson. There's a second lesson that comes through. It is the salvation of Christ through grace. I want you to consider this man that's robbed and he's left for dead. Go back to verse number 30. In verse number 30, and Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem, that's the religious center, to Jericho. This is the accursed city. And he fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, the word of God speaks of Satan as the thief and the robber and the liar. He cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Uh, Satan is the robber. He robs us through sin of any value. Uh, Sin strips us. It wounds us. It leaves us half dead spiritually, dead spiritually. Uh, The wounded man represents here the sinner. The wages of sin is death. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, we're spiritually dead. And as in the account of the parable, we have a man that's left for dead. He has no ability to rescue himself. He has no ability to save himself. He's there. He's left for dead. And he needs the help of another. Now consider again the religious leaders, the priests, the Levite. They had no concern for the man beaten and bloodied and left to die. Uh, They had no ability. They passed by on the other side. They were too busy, uh, maybe too scared. They are occupied, too occupied to be of any help. Had no concern, no compassion. And religion has no compassion. As the psalmist said in Psalm 142, verses 3 and 4, When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, thou knewest my path. The way wherein I walked, they privily laid a snare for me. I looked on my right hand, and behold, there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me, and as the psalmist said, no man cared for my soul. 
That's what religion is. It doesn't care for the soul. It's like the priests, like the Levites. Many a person has looked on religion for peace and religion can't give that peace and religion uh, never lasts. A religion can't deliver the captive. Religion can't set the soul free. Religion can't deliver from the depths of sin. Religion can't raise you up. Religion can't give you peace in time of death. Religion can't deliver you from Satan and from hell. But there's a good Samaritan. I want you to look at verse 33. In verse 33, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. I believe here in our parable, this Samaritan represents the Lord Jesus Christ. We couldn't save ourselves. We couldn't lift ourselves up. We were beaten, bloodied, bruised, servants to sin. The Lord Jesus Christ came to where we were. He came to us. It was not us that sought Him. It was Him that came to us. It was Him that sought us. It was Him that left the glory of heaven. It was Him that came to this world. He came to us and He saw us in our lost and sinful condition. He knew every detail, not one detail hidden from the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, He came to us and He saw us and He had compassion on us. Verse 34, what a picture of salvation. And He went to Him and He bound up His wounds, pouring in oil and wine. He set Him on His own beast, brought Him to an inn, and took care of Him. He went to Him. Jesus came to where I was. He saw who I was. He was willing to give all despite my sinfulness and my brokenness. And he bound up his wounds and sin leaves many a wound and many a scar and Christ's blood as we sang this morning is able to heal of all of those wounds. Uh, pouring in oil and wine, and often in the Bible the oil represents the Holy Spirit of God. And at the point of salvation, Jesus gives this gift of His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And the moment we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we are sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise unto the day of redemption. And the wine represents the happy, joy-filled Christian life. And He gives us life and that more abundantly. You see, He not only saves us and delivers us, but He gives us a purpose and a, a, a contentment in life that only Jesus can give. And I like this. He says in verse 34, He set Him on His own beast. The sinner doesn't have to walk to heaven. You can't get there on your own. The shepherd carries the sheep on his shoulder. Christ furnishes the certainty of our getting to heaven. The task was not ours, it was his. And he brought him to an inn, and I said that inn to me is a picture of the local church, and he took care of him. I want you to see something. He brought him to the inn. Jesus paid the bill. He paid it in full. Often pictured an inn as that local church, but the Lord, He paid the bill and we're saved because Christ paid for us. 
Notice in verse number 35, And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence, and he gave them to the host, and he said to him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. See, he paid for our past sin, he paid for our present sin, and he paid the future bill of sin. I'm saved by grace, I'm kept by grace, I'm held by his grace, and I was put, it was all put to the account of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, uh, Jesus uh, paid it all, this all on his account. There's nothing more that I can add to what Jesus has already done. What the law could not do, what the law would not do, Jesus did. He's the only perfect neighbor. He's the only one that loved the Father with all of his heart, all of his soul, all of his mind. He's the only one that loved the neighbor as himself and gave all that we might be redeemed. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself, it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Surely he hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. He was made to be sin for us who knew no sin. You see the inability of the law to save. You see the salvation of Christ through grace. I want to give one more spiritual truth. Which gets down to you and I. In this parable there's the call of the Lord Jesus Christ to a lost world. People need Jesus. They're lost without Him. They're beaten, bloodied, bruised. Their lives, their homes, have been dashed and beaten and robbed. And so this parable has an application for us. Who is my neighbor? Any person you can help is your neighbor. Any lost person, spiritually dead. You'll find your neighbor in the man that needs your help. You'll find your neighbor in the one that needs the gospel. See, when the gospel has come to you, when the Lord has picked you up from that bloodied and bruised condition, when the Lord has given to you spiritual life, and when the Lord has quickened that which is dead, when He's brought life to that which was hopeless, when the Lord has saved you, when Christ's compassion has reached down to you, then His compassion wants to work through you. See, the law could not save me, but Christ could. I read a statement, I thought this was good. There's a difference between law and grace. The law says, do this and live. But I could not. I did not. I didn't love. 
as I ought. Notice, go back to verse 25. I want you to see this. This is the law. Verse 25, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 28, he said to him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. And then in verse number 37, as Jesus concludes this parable, he said to him, He that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus to him, Go, and do thou likewise. See, the law says do this and live, but I could not and I did not. I didn't love as I ought to love. But understand something, grace says, listen to the difference, live and do this. How do I live? I live through Christ. Christ saved and now Christ wants to live his life through me. And grace enables me to live now for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Brother Wilkins, I heard him preach in Utah at a missions conference. And he preached one of his messages that we now have in book or booklet form. It's the call of a lost and dying world, and your response is one of my favorite messages from Brother Wilkins. And it speaks of this call of the Lord to the saved. And this booklet focuses, if you go back to verse 33, on a little word here. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. When he saw him, he had compassion on him. That's what grace does. Grace gives compassion. And it's illustrated by, in this book, by the story, and Brother Wilkins tells the story of reading about Dr. Matthews. Dr. Matthews was a pastor in Dallas, Texas. Dr. Matthews was constantly struggling with his people being on time. So he taught them a little song, 940 Sharp. He expected them to be in church, 940, 940 Sharp, Sunday school. One particular Sunday, Dr. Matthews, uh, just before 940 Sharp, realized back at the parsonage, I left my Bible with all of the notes. And so he made his way very quickly back to the parsonage, went into the kitchen. Here's a knock at the door. He thought, I, I don't have time, but suddenly he said, I, I've got to answer the door. Maybe somebody desperately in need. Answered the door. There's a man at the door. He said, sir, can you help me? Can I mow the lawn just to get a little money for some breakfast? I haven't eaten in three days. I'm from Kilgore, Texas, and I've got a fever. I'm sleeping under the bridge. And he tells the story. Dr. Matthews reaches into his pocket, and he's got a, a 50-cent piece, and he's got a 10-cent dime. He says, in those days, a man, so it's a long time ago, a man could eat a good breakfast for 10 cents. So he hands the man the dime. And then as the man turned to walk away, Dr. Matthews said, this man reminds me of my stepfather. He told the story. He said, my two sisters, and mom and dad and I, 
on a trek. And he suddenly became violently ill with food poisoning. My dad pulled over under a tree. And through a convulsion, he died. Went on to eternity. He said out of nowhere, there was this man that comes along. And he saw us and he took us to the hospital. Then he went before his church and he had his church find a home and put them up in the home and took care of them and provided for them until they could recover. He says then, long story short, that man eventually falls in love with my wife or my mom and he becomes, that would be wrong, okay, he falls in love with my mom and he becomes my, my, step, my stepfather and he says, that man took us to church and we all got saved and then he paid for my Bible college. And he said, when I saw that grown man turn and walk away, I thought of my stepfather. If that's my stepfather, I can't turn him away. He was so good to me. He reaches back and he says, sir, here's this 50 cent piece as well. He said, you go on down. I'm the pastor here at the church, and we're getting ready for Sunday school. But he said, you go on down, get you a meal. After your meal, you come on back, and we'll help you find a job. And he began to look at that, and he said, that's compassion. He began to look at that as if this were one of my own. And Dr. Matthews tells the story from that point. He began to preach differently. He began to look at the audience. What if that were my son? What if that were my mom? What if this were my last opportunity to get the gospel to them? And he began from that point to focus on this thought that I've got this opportunity to share the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's a wounded man, a wounded woman, a wounded boy, a wounded girl. And I've got this opportunity to reach out for eternity and make a difference in a life. You see, that's the call to you and me. That ought to be the call and the mission of the church. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came not to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners to repentance. That's each and every one of us. There's the inability of the law to save. There's the salvation of Christ through grace. And then there's the call because of that grace, the call of Christ through compassion to a lost and dying world. May I just state here this morning in closing, look around you. You're going to find everywhere, men and women, boys and girls, wounded, bruised, left for dead, headed to eternity without hope. Look around, you see homes, families, broken. Look around. Go down by Walmart, by Dollar Tree. Look around. See what fentanyl has done to our valley. Look around. The only hope is the Lord Jesus Christ. Religion's not going to save them. Religion's not going to set them free. 
It'll be just like the priests and the Levites. Many of them have come out of religion. And it didn't help them. They need a relationship with Jesus Christ. How are they going to know Jesus? If somebody doesn't tell them of the Savior. That's your job. That's my job. I'd like for a moment this morning, every head bowed.